My next guest is Caitlin Cook, better known for her performances as the singing rugby coach on the X Factor USA. I caught up with Caitlin from her home in Nashville to talk about her new single So Different Now, the second in a heartfelt, gritty, weaving story of releases to come in 2021. The song was originally written by her fellow X Factor contestant Josh Maddox, but Caitlin's made it her own by adding some whiskey, smoke, and a dobro guitar. The newly envisioned tale embodies a muscle shoals feel with a southern rock undertone. Cook sounds like she's been heartbroken since she was born. In this interview we spoke about her career, why she moved to Nashville, her creative process and what it was like to be on X Factor. Uh, I think live music is coming back, right? Surely, surely is. Yeah, it has been and although now with cases on the rise, many artists are opting out of performing um a lot of tours have um been scheduled and then canceled and then rescheduled and then canceled i mean i'm sure you've seen it over there as well it's been kind of crazy <laughs> yeah but but where do you stand on it do you feel safe to go out on the road now no <laughs> i don't i mean i just i really feel like if we can get the situation under control um yeah. you know i think that that would just be best case scenario for everyone yeah i think the other big debate is you know about insisting on people being vaccinated at least people that come to these shows right right that seems to be the other big debate certainly and you know here it's i i certainly um i think we all uh, appreciate and are grateful for the freedoms that we have you know um and the people that that believe in freedom of choice regarding this vaccine but you know there's also like your freedom stops where my freedom begins there's that mentality as well and you know i think a lot of people need to i think it's just you know collectively if we could all just uniformly um get against this this virus um i think that that would be best case scenario and very logical <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely you're right. I think there's uh, you know there's so much uh, it's become so political and you know it's become so divisive that uh, I think somewhere we've lost sight of the common enemy that is covid. Certainly, I feel the same. Yeah. So let's same. let's dive right in, Caitlin. I want to talk a little bit about the new single that came out a few months ago, so different now. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how that came about? Sure. So that song I actually did not write, um which is unusual. Usually I release songs that I have co-written. Um it was written by a friend of mine who I was on yeah. the X Factor USA with. Um his name's Josh Maddox. Um and the song was originally released in 2011 as a country ballad. So it was very different sounding from what uh my version ended up sounding like and um but i there was something in the melody that really stuck with me um and i really wanted to kind of bring the song to life in a different in a different light and add my own individualistic take on mm -hmm. it um and so that's what that's what we ended up doing i mean my goodness i think that recording was done in maybe 45 minutes it was so quick um fabulous yeah yeah it was really an awesome experience and just very creative 
and how the production side of it worked. And all of us just brainstormed my um, guitar player, Alex, dad, my engineer, Kyle Worsbo was there. And the three of us really just worked together to um, develop the sound into what it turned into. The way I felt was so hard to explain. I stepped backwards, nearly hit the floor If I had never seen your face Your lovely voice held the truth I feared That I would be in the wrong damn place When true love chose to bring you near but but tell me, Caitlin, you're not averse to singing other people's songs or singing songs that other people have written? No, absolutely not. I mean, my goodness, think about how many great songs have already <laughs> been written, you know? Um, and and I think that if something speaks to you, it speaks to you. Um, and, you know, of course, you want as an artist to develop your craft and your skill set as a songwriter. I think that that's very important um, and to release your own songs. There's a lot of pride in that and certainly um, further compensation. Um, <laughs> but I think that, uh, no, art is art. And um, I, a number of times have taken um, songs that were already out there written by, by someone else and kind of like twisted them and made something different out of what it was. But working with uh, songwriters or people that write songs for you, how does that how does that come about? Is something specifically written with you in mind, or do you just go out there and say, "I'm going to pick something that resonates with me," or do you say, "You know what? I'll just try and get into the character of that song"? How does that kind of work? So here in Nashville, you know, co-writing is the way to write songs. Um, it's very unique to Nashville. Um, but it's, it's just been such a blessing for me. Um, and I, I just have developed these relationships with co-writers that, um, I'm so grateful for, but they essentially, you know, you schedule a write, And once you get into the room, everybody kind of talks it out. You know, what do we want to write about? Is this for Caitlin? Is this for someone else? Are we pitching this song for a specific purpose? Are we pitching for a specific artist? And then from there, you know, you kind of figure out where you're going to go. And if um, a lot of us uh, record our ideas, you know, that come just sporadically, like throughout the week and, and somebody will bring out like a guitar lick. Oh, hey, listen, this this is something I've been playing around with. And and eventually, like, it's just this like this group effort. Um to that ends up in a song it's it's really such a beautiful process um yeah i've i've heard so much and read so much about it about how this you know nashville is like you know some people call it the silicon valley of music certainly um, that's exactly what it is <laughs> yeah it yeah. really is i mean songwriting is so so huge here it's a part of all of us yeah but tell me does the in a typical, you know, when a bunch of songwriters get together to write for someone, is the artist involved in the process or is it, you know, just write it and send it to me and then I'll figure it out? How, how does, how, is that how it works? It can go either way, really. Mm -hmm. um, it mm -hmm. really can. It, if you have, you know, direct access to that artist and you know, you know, something that's on their heart that they want to express, 
you can go that way and you can write it with that artist or you can just completely create a song and pitch it to that artist's um, label and uh, and team. So it can go either way, really. Yeah, it's quite a fascinating process. But tell me, you put out an EP in 2017 and then you've been putting out singles. Uh, is that a strategic thing? You know, um, originally uh, the EP was kind of my creative stamp. I was just, I had just moved to Nashville. I'm like, I wanted to release something original because I never had before. Um, and it was my way of just saying, Hey, like I'm here, I'm doing it. It was self produced. Uh, I think yeah. it was recorded and produced and finished in like two days. Um, and then we just flew it out there. It was recorded to analog tape. So it's essentially mm -hmm. live recording. Um, and then the singles are a collection of songs. Uh, it's essentially an album. Um, uh, the best songs that I think that I've, I've written, the ones that I really believe in over the course of the last however many years. Um, so it is an album, but I've chosen to release it as singles because here in the U.S., singles is such a such a it's just what everyone's doing. It's how, yeah. you know, and it gives you the ability as well to spotlight one song and really tell its story. And, you know, the specifics behind it, the behind the scenes behind it. And I feel like people really appreciate that because it, it just gives them more insight into how mm -hmm. things work and to how a song ends up, how, how it turns out. And I don't know, I've really enjoyed the process um, in releasing singles. I believe it's been really cool, like to just yeah. tell the story of one song instead of putting out 12 and being Absolutely. like, hi, listen to me, you know, <laughs> like. But, but do you think the concept of an album is still relevant? I think it depends on where you are, certainly. Um, in the U.S., singles are the way of the world. Um, mm -hmm. But I have friends in the U.K. who still want to hear albums. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah. it really depends. I don't know. How are things with you with in India? How do they release music there? So here... Um, I mean, obviously, streaming is big and, you know, people uh, listen to a lot of singles and stuff. Uh, but given that, you know, our music industry is dominated by film music, by Bollywood music and vernacular okay. film music. So typically people, the album is still very relevant conceptually uh, yeah. here, especially as far as local music is concerned. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, you know, people still streaming obviously is uh, is big. People don't really buy um, physical records here as much. I know. So here, um, you know, CDs, even five, six years ago, were still being pushed and sold at, at shows for merchandise. And, and now um, they took the CD players out of cars. So we don't have CD players in cars anymore. We don't have CD players in more um modern like later um computers like we just they're just not <laughs> so it's like my my you know my friends my press everybody overseas is like oh send us a cd i'm like i haven't made any because we don't have any use for them here you know yeah yeah though i think vinyl is making some kind of a comeback at least in parts of europe yeah, I've um, I've seen that. I think that you know it's it's definitely more of a collector's piece. Um, I think it's fantastic. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But where do you stand on the whole uh, social media, uh, Spotify thing? Um, you know, YouTube, for example, has worked really well for you, right? I was looking, Correct. I was watching Creep, Creep, I think six million views on YouTube. And, you know. Don't, don't short me, Vikram. We're at like seven and a half, eight right now. Oh, you're seven and a half? Wow. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> Sorry about that. No worries. No worries. <laughs> so, so where do you stand on that? Oh, the whole streaming and Spotify and all of that stuff. Oh, um, you know, uh, so here's the thing. I have Spotify. Um, I use it to listen to music. I love the concept behind art being, you know, accessible um, universally. However, I think there has, they have to find some sort of solution as to how artists mm -hmm. and how songwriters get properly compensated because uh, it's just too difficult to make a living at yeah. the craft. And, you know, you spend your however many years developing and songwriting and doing all of these things and it costs you money um, especially if you're an independent artist, right? Like if you have a label, like they're fronting everything for you, not that you don't owe that money back eventually, <laughs> but if you're an independent artist, you're, you're, you're financing all of these things yourselves yourself. And then, you know, um, it just doesn't, it just takes so long for that money to come back to you unless you're on tour. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, selling out and, and, having um great experience on tour and those ticket sales compensate you as well but still like just for your art being created um mm -hmm. that takes finances and and there has to be some sort of solution down the line for streaming services as to how songwriters and artists get properly compensated for their work because 99 cents you know is is like on the higher end <laughs> that's and that's just really sad, you know? Yeah. That's a permanent yeah. digital download. That's not a stream. A stream's like a cent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tough. It's tough, you know? And we live in a modern age. I think it's, I think I love the concept behind it. It's just, it's very difficult when you're in the industry trying to create and trying to move forward. Um, you know, it, it definitely gets, there has to be some sort of give and take there eventually. Absolutely. So as an as an independent artist, um, are you still, for example, looking for a label to work? Can a label still add value to what you do, given that these platforms of scale and distribution already exist? I am, you know, in today's world, I really think that independent artists have the best um, have the best shot because they have full creative control um and you know full uh, possession of their image and how everything is done and used um so i really don't i really don't see um for my particular situation um a need for one however at the same time like that's a built-in team plenty of other people to help you accomplish your goal so there's that as well you know i really do think that it's it's whatever um works for you whatever you want out of your career. And um, if you're looking to build and build and build and you need more people to help you do that, certainly a label can help you do that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if you're independent and you're, you're on your grind and you're, you know, in, in the trenches, um, you know, you can yeah. do it that way as well. It just, it, you never know what's gonna make, make a difference for you. Like you, for instance, that creep video on YouTube, the simple man song as well for me, those two covers have, 
have really like, you know, made a splash over the course of the last two years. And I, I never anticipated it being a cover, you know, to do mm-hmm. something. Um, and so I'm very grateful for that. Um, you know, but you just never know what's going to work. So you have to have to kind of be open-minded, I think, to everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. There's, there's a lot of freedom being, uh, an independent artist, right? Uh, yeah. but you were signed to Paula Abdul's label back in the day, weren't you? I was, I was, um, just a blessing of an experience. It was, it was really, it was really fun. Um, mm-hmm. she's a wonderful, wonderful person. She's so hardworking. Um, she was such an inspiration to me during that time. And, um, yeah, we had a lot of fun. It was just, uh, I think when you looked at everything on paper, we just didn't end up accomplishing the things that we had really set out to. So it was time to try to, you know, accomplish those things in a different way, but mm-hmm. yeah, wonderful human being. Awesome. Still kicking yeah. it. I don't know if you've seen her videos on TikTok, but she's crushing it. <laughs> oh no, I haven't. Oh yeah. She no, gets on there. Oh, she does. Yeah. She gets on there and does like the dance videos. It's awesome. Yeah, wow. I haven't because you know, TikTok is banned in India. So we don't No, yeah. I didn't know that. Is that yeah. common knowledge? It is, yeah. Wow, so, no, I did not know that. We don't uh, you know, it's a political thing, but um uh, we don't TikTok is banned in India, so. Okay, so I'm not on there. Um, so uh-huh. I couldn't tell you t- too much about it, but <laughs> I know that she's on there because she'll share the videos from TikTok on Instagram and I am on Instagram. So I can yeah, see them that yeah. way, but TikTok's a little a little uh, controversial. <laughs> yeah. I feel like but, it can be. But but what what's it like, right? I mean, I mean in this day and age when it's not just the music you have to focus on, right? There's the whole marketing piece to it. How do I make it to a playlist or how do I get an influencer to tweet or retweet whatever, you know, a single that I have. What's that whole marketing piece like? Do you do, you do it all by yourself? Do you have people to help you with it? Yeah, well, you know, Wes, um, who's head of my PR, he's in the UK and he helps me out with a yeah. lot of this as well. But um, yeah, no, primarily, I mean, since I have been fully independent, I have been doing it myself. Um, I am a believer in organic, like authentic content that gets shared organically. I, I am not a salesman, a saleswoman. I'm just not. Um, but I certainly understand your sentiments as to, you know, yeah, a lot of people are on there, like trying to make it happen on the grind, like, you know, and, and I understand that, but I really do believe in just authenticity and creating real relationships. And then having, you know, if that person wants to share my music and put it out there. I am so grateful. I'm so grateful, but I do believe in, in having it happen in a very organic, like natural way. Um, but to answer your question, yes, I am doing it myself. And, um, and that's just, that's just what's comfortable for me. Mm -hmm. I I want to go back a little bit to your songwriting process itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you, do you write every day? uh, And the stuff that you write, is it is it a reflection of what's going on around you? Um, how how is it? What is your process? Correct every day, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, I write from personal experience. Um, certainly, have tried in the past to write for um, other other reasons and other purposes, but 
um, for me, um, writing from personal experience really works. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's just, I think a personal thing. And that's part of being an artist as well. Um, Mm -hmm. and not just a songwriter. Um, but yeah, so I, co-writing has been such a blessing for me because I do not play an instrument to the point of which, where I would, you know, jump on stage and do a solo like that wouldn't be me, (laughs) but you know, I know my way around, of course, on a piano, um, so co-writing has really been a blessing because I get together in a room with people like Kirsty Manna, you know, she wrote Austin for Blake Shelton and Bill D. Luigi's a really great friend of mine. And the three of us get together and just create these beautiful pieces of music. And I bring in like the, the sentiments behind it and quote unquote, the baggage. And then <laughs> Bill, <laughs> Bill and Kirsty helped me, you know, create something beautiful out of maybe something that was not so great to experience or something that was sad or, you know, and, and I think that is like the most incredible thing about music is that you can create something so beautiful out of something that maybe wasn't so pleasant to experience, you know? Yeah. And it's relatable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially, you know, in the times we live in, I think the value of music is uh, is second to none. I think musicians should have been frontline workers, uh, classified as frontline workers. It's healing, isn't it? So if you yeah. if you uh, if you can create something that people find value in, um, it's just that's just the most rewarding thing. There, I don't think there's anything more rewarding than that. Yeah, I can't remember who it was, but he said country music is three chords and the truth. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes. Who said that? Um, I, I I can't remember who it was. I think it must have been Holland Howard. I think. I can't remember, but um, yes, I've heard that as well. Yeah, that's stuck with me forever. I've, I read it somewhere years ago. And, uh, but tell me a little more, you know, how did you end up moving to Nashville? I was um, with Paula Abdul um, at the time. And I was living in New York and going back and forth between New York and L.A., um, And I just, I felt a calling to Nashville. I have friends who live here, who are pursuing their careers within the music industry, but just different facets of it. And I knew that it was just this really great community, a lot of creatives. And I was like, you know, I was like, I feel good about that town. I mean, I had been coming here on and off for like a decade at that point. I used to come down here to play rugby actually because they had these tournaments that were centrally located. Um, And so I used to come down here for that. I was coming down here for music stuff. So I was like 
somewhat familiar with the area. Um, and I just, I just felt called and I went and the first year was tough because I was away from my family and I was like little itty bitty, like, uh, you know, scared and nervous. And I had never lived away from my family permanently. I always traveled for work, traveled for music, but I had never like been away from my mom, you know? And, um, <laughs> so, uh, it was, it was definitely an experience, but the more I got involved in the music community, um, the more people I met and networked with, um, it just like, it seemed like the music industry just opened up for me one person at a time. Um, and next thing you know, you're performing and you're writing and you're creating and like it, it it's really been a wonderful experience. Yeah. I I've read, I've heard that Nashville is, you know, based on peer support and community and all of that, the whole industry, the whole scene there is based on peers. That's a very fiber of Nashville is what I've heard it's different than any other city you know that i've ever been in it's it's not um i mean certainly in terms of competition you have the talent here you have people that are working and doing it but people don't look at it that way it's more so like how they can help you achieve your goal and if you're up on the ladder you know you extend the hand down like you reach and bring the next person up it's it's a beautiful thing but has it changed a lot from the time you got there to now a little bit. Um, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> is it, it is it still the hub of music and all of that? Or is there a more commercial, there's a lot of development, that kind of thing? Uh, Both are happening simultaneously at the same time. So there's a ton of development. The pockets of town are changing. You have new restaurants like on every <laughs> on a corner, a different corner every other week. It's It's hard to keep up with at this point. Um, Broadway specifically, the bars are turning over um, yeah. and changing. Miranda Lambert just put a new, um, uh, has a new bar um, downtown, which is awesome. Um, really cool place. But um, yeah, no, there's a lot of development. There's a lot of commercialism um, because we have such a, such a big tourist industry now. Um, yeah. I mean, all year round, there's no tourist season anymore. It's like people come all year round. Um but yes, I, so in terms of like certain things, it has changed a little bit in the seven years I've been here. Um, mm -hmm. But I will say that the creative community has really um, kind of stayed constant, which is which is amazing. <laughs> which is fabulous. So you started writing your own stuff once you moved to Nashville? Yeah, you know, Vic, like I would write, you know, I mean, I would write as when I was like 12 years old, but I were in Buffalo, I'm from Orchard Park, New York, which is just south of Buffalo. And like, there's not that creative community or that industry. You have incredible yeah. musicians, you have a great music scene, but in terms of original music, like you really got to dig to find people that are doing it. And I wasn't surrounded by, um, you know, people that were doing it. Um, and so when I grew up and like, I, I wanted to get involved. Like I wanted to continue like progressing and like, you know how it is. You have to like, whatever it is that you're doing, you have to start digging into like different, different areas of it and start perfecting your craft. And the more you do, you know, the more multitasking you can do, like the better you get. And that's what I wanted to do is, is just expand and grow. Um, so that's what I came down here for. And, uh, um, yeah, so essentially, I would say like my professional career as a songwriter really began when I came down here. 
Amazing. And how did the whole, you know, X Factor, American Idol, how did that come about? Oh, I was, you know, I was young and hungry and trying to make something of it. Um, and those are just such, especially when I was coming up, those were the opportunity. The reality TV shows were your opportunity. It was a fast track to stardom and to a career in all of those things. Um, so I had tried out for the shows, um, American Idol, particularly a few times um, before getting on that show. And then X Factor was really the one that, um, you know, I had my longest time on and, and ex best experience doing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it was just such a blessing for me. Yeah. W was that a very humbling experience when you go to these auditions and you see that there are as many talented or if not you know, maybe in some cases, more talented people than yourself. Is that a very humbling? What's that like? I really viewed it as a positive thing. Um, that wasn't what hurt me. It was when I got rejected. <laughs> Vic, it just like, it's just like a shot to your heart. You're just like in so much pain. It just hurts you. Um, and of course, you know, those who succeed are the ones who pick themselves back up. Go, go to the next audition, go to the next city, go to the, you know, the next year they follow up, they go to the, you know, and they just keep doing it. And which is actually what I ended up doing, but it hurts you. They hurt you, you know, to, for like you to pour your soul out to someone you're in a box. I mean, like Vic, you're in like a box with someone, you know, they're like right in front of you and you're just singing your heart out. And then they're just like, <clears throat> thank you so much for being here. Um, it's going to be a no today. You know, please exit. Right. You're like, <laughs> it just hurts you. Um, so that was what really, I think affected me or the times that I was told no. Um, but obviously mm -hmm. it wasn't enough to keep me from coming back because I just kept coming back. Um, so, yeah, but no, I will say that those shows are so enlightening because you're just exposed to so many people who are in the same industry as you. They're each so uniquely talented. They're each so, you know, just God-given gifts. You, you really can't ex explain it any other way. Um, and uh, so, but we found, I think, a lot of commonality and developed mm -hmm. a camaraderie based off of that. Yeah, because, you know, watching it on TV, I've seen Simon Cowell go after people and absolutely, you know, kind of break them. I know. Uh, it, it must be hard to come back from something like that, right? Yeah, it is. It is. But, you know, um, I have a background in, in athletics and in sports and my mother's huge support system for me. And I feel like she was really the driving force and like, so what you got told no, who cares? Who knows that you do? No one else knows that. Why? Because you didn't make it on the show. So why don't you just go out there and try out for the next one? Like, and that's basically what happened. She just, every single time I felt like I got kicked down, she was really the one to lift me up and be like, just keep going. You know, it's okay. Like this is part of it. And I think, I think those shows were a huge, um, uh, lessons, major lessons for me in the music industry, because you do get rejection. Rejection is just a part of it. You know, yeah. like you might just not be the right fit for something or your song might not be the, the perfect fit for that artist. And you just, that's just 
the name of the game. You have to keep creating. You have to keep putting yourself out there in order to make it. And so it was a, yeah, learning experience. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. And Paula Abdul happened after X Factor, right? Correct. So I met her on the show, you know, um, made it to live shows. It was such a blessing of an experience. And um, Simon Cowell was actually my mentor. Um, but Paula reached out to me after um, I had exited the program and she was like, hey, she's like, I, I really I believe in what you have going on and I really want to support you going forward. So we started working together. Amazing. What was what was your journey like to becoming a professional musician? Did you study music or have, have were your parents musicians? Yeah, parents were not musicians, but they had such great musical taste. So they exposed me to such a wide variety of of music in terms of genre, in terms of everything, you know, no matter what it was, it was either it could be Sarah Brightman, you know, or Andrea Bocelli on the classical side. It could be um, Elvis Presley. My mom was a huge Elvis fan. It could have been anything, but it was just good stuff, you know, <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, um yeah, so I, I grew up loving music because of, of them and then um, definitely studied a lot. I was classically and operatically trained. Um, I studied through school. I studied outside of school. Um, and then when I was 16, I started playing in bands. And that was probably the best uh, way for me to learn because it was on the bandstand, you know, nobody rehearsed. We didn't rehearse. Like you got up there, <laughs> hopefully you knew played. the song and everybody around you knew the song and you just played. Um, so, and, and that was probably the best way to learn in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. I did have the classical training behind me and that was, that was imperative. That came into play when I started touring because, you know, you have to know your instrument when you're under such, you know, you're traveling all the time, you're not getting great sleep, like you have to learn how to, how to manage all of those different situations and still perform. So yeah, yeah, classical music did that for me. Yeah, you know, talking about touring, I was at Rambling Man in 2017. I was shooting at Rambling Man, but I missed your set. <laughs> yeah, I missed what? your set because I, I was, uh, I was looking through my archives today. And I was wondering if I, I was trying to remember if I had shot your set or not, because, you know, there's, there's always I, I was I think I was shooting for Chris that year. No, Chris was 2018, but I was a rambling man in 2017. I can't remember who I was working for. Okay. Uh, but um, I was looking at the, the, the running order and I realized that I'd missed your set uh, in 2017. Vic, yeah. was it 2017 or 2018? I think you played 2017 because 2018 I was working for Chris. Uh, I met Mark, I think, in 2018 and Mark was You're with right. Chris at that point. You're right. Yeah, it was 2017. Vic, what the heck? I mean, like, yeah. I was there. <laughs> I Hopefully was the there. next time. When you're next back out time. on the road, uh, you know, wh when are you going to go back out on the road? So we're looking at next year um, only because, you know, of course I wanted to get out, but my goodness, like everybody's, everybody's canceling again here. Yeah. Um, so like I said, you know, Tennessee's open, but that doesn't mean that there aren't other, you know, that people aren't still concerned about large gatherings. Our, our COVID cases are on the rise, like, you know, mm -hmm. nationwide. So it's really, um, 
it's really a tough decision and people are individually making those decisions as to what works for them um, and what they think is, is the right, right thing to do. Um, I, you know, I've done a couple of small shows here that I really didn't tell anyone about that. I kind of just like booked and went out and did just to, just to keep, you know, keep myself, um, keep everything fresh and make sure that I still know how to sing, you know, like, but yeah. like, um, but no, like in terms of like a big tour or something like that. Um, I think like we kind of need to see this thing really level out, um, before we start doing bigger shows. I mean, I don't know, unless vaccines, you know, vaccination status is going to be required across the board and that's how you go about it. You know, um, mm-hmm. there are a few venues here in town that are mandating, vaccination status or a negative um, COVID test in order to enter. Yeah, I think the Live Nation, I've been reading that the Live Nation shows need you to be um, vaccinated. Yes, I saw that as well. I saw that as well. But um, yeah, so I think that we got to figure did it you out. Do any of the, did you do any of the virtual, did you do any uh, during the lockdown? Did you do anything to connect with your fans? Did you do any virtual stuff? Yeah, I would pop on there and play. And um, it was honestly, it was like weird, but it was kind of cool, too, because it was like a living room um, show, you know, like my guitar player and I would get together. We would just, you know, hang out in my living room and everybody was kind of socially distanced. So that was really a challenge because we're trying to figure out how to get him and myself like in the shot at the same time. It was, it was unique, um, but it was still super um, just, I feel like it was really an opportunity to connect in such a different way. And yep. everybody was, was so, so excited and so um, really wanted to be a part of those experiences. So like you would see so many people like pop on, you know, yeah. and it was, it was fun. Yeah, it would be nice if that continued, you know, it, I don't know if it can become an alternate revenue stream for an artist, but uh, it'll be nice if, you know, post-COVID, uh, you know, artists continue to do virtual shows to connect with their fans. Yeah, we didn't do it for compensation. I did see a bunch of um, a bunch of my friends in the industry were, you know, putting their Venmo out. Um, a lot of people who perform, you know, a daily for a living, you know, they would be on Broadway when they're not on tour with A-list artists. Like those are people I saw on there. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we just did it for honestly for fun and to be like, Hey, we're still here, you know? (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah, it definitely, um, it definitely was a different experience, but it was, I think everybody had to navigate those waters and just figure it out in that moment. Yeah, it was it's it was really tough. Yeah, but uh, tell me, Caitlin. Lastly, do you have any new music coming out uh, this year? Yes, I'm very excited, yeah. Vic. Yeah. Um. So this next single is um just my favorite song I think that I've ever written. Um, it'll be out in the fall. I don't have a date yet, but it's um it is just so personal and was written during a very difficult time. Um, so I'm very excited to release that, but that song is called that's fire. Um, and that'll be out in the fall. Fabulous. Can't wait to listen to it. We'll do our bit and give it, um, you know, some airplay. Yeah. Uh, but thank, thank you, you so much, Caitlin. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. 
Vic, so nice to meet you. That's Thank it you so for much. this week's episode of Tales from the Road. Tales from the Road is brought to you by the Concert Photographer and Moving Pictures Media. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Thank you for listening.